I'm joined today by John Lowell. Um, John is, uh, has had a successful career and has had unique paths that his career has gone down, and, and there's a lot we can get from John's experience. Um, so John, thanks for, uh, for being with us today. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here, Michael. Thanks for having me. John, just to start, can you give everyone a, maybe a two to three minute uh, introduction about your employment overview, your volunteer history, and, and what you're currently doing? Sure. Um, my employment history might cover the full two or three minutes, so I'm going to go through that in brief. Um, I started my actuarial career, not my first career, with Hewitt Associates back in 1985. Um, moved south about two and a half years later and joined what was then TPF&C, which um, became Towers Perrin and then over the last several years has changed names a lot of times. Um, in skipping over some time, in 2005, I joined a small-ish firm called Chicago Consulting Actuaries, which was rapidly growing. And now I, for the last four and a half years or so, I've been with October 3 um, in a position where essentially I'm working with a lot of the people I did back in my Chicago Consulting Actuaries days. Um, as a volunteer, depends on what you call a volunteer. I guess my, I did my first volunteering in 1989 when I spoke at the EA meeting as a brand new EA. I didn't realize when I volunteered that most of the people who did that were fairly experienced, whereas I had a little over three years of experience when I agreed to speak on a technical topic. If I had it to do all over again, I guess I'm glad I spoke because I got my feet wet with it. I also should have been terrified, but I wasn't smart enough to know that that was the case. So I went in um, with eyes wide shut and came out um, kind of a different person. After that, I took a few years off from speaking engagements, but started speaking again, I wanna say in 1994 at the EA meeting and spoke either at the EA meeting, the CCA annual meeting or um, one of the SOA meetings at least every year through probably about 2012 or 2013 when other volunteer roles picked up a fair amount. I joined the EA meeting program committee in 2004, served as chair, I think in 2009, although I could be off by a year, um, joined the CCA board in 2010, and now I am in my last oh, three months or so as a CCA board member after 10 years, um, the last four in the presidential track. Awesome. Um, so John, let's just jump into some questions. And I, I wanna to touch for a little bit on the different roles you've had um, over your career. So I, I know this about you and I'm sure you can elaborate on this a little bit, but you've obviously had a variety of different roles ranging from being a technical actuary to being involved in sales, doing expert witness work. What for you have been the pros and cons to changing roles over time? It's a great question, Michael. You know, every time you change roles, you really have to learn a whole new skill set. Some of those roles have been fairly similar to each other. Some of them have been vastly different. I guess some I've taken on by choice and other times I've kind of been asked to play a role or thrust into a role and not necessarily been prepared for it. Personally, 
I don't like doing the same thing a whole bunch of times. So the whole idea of changing roles has been really good for me. It's been a positive experience. It's been something I've enjoyed. Um, it keeps things new. It keeps things fresh. From the standpoint of cons though, being a person who is always in new roles, frequently you find yourself having to invent the wheel. For some of us, inventing the wheel and inventing the wheel over and over again, just as a different sort of wheel, is really a great challenge. It's a great experience. For others of us, we like doing the same thing. We like the repetition. We like doing things that we know how to do and where we've developed expertise. And so there's somewhat of a balance between those two things. For me, um, the variety has been a great thing, but some of the roles either that I have chosen to take on or that I've been pushed into have not been things I ever would have chosen for myself. Being a math person by background, uh, having taught college math at one time and then becoming an actuary, that combination is not what you would think of as necessarily the most outgoing type of person. And if you think of salespeople, they usually are among the most outgoing type of people. So somehow I had to make the two marry themselves um, into a happy person who hopefully was having some success at what they were doing. I wanna go back to something you just mentioned about sometimes these changing roles came by choice and other times you were pushed into them. How did you handle being pushed into new roles? Uh, especially if it maybe wasn't something that you were enthusiastic about initially. I can talk, Michael, back to one of the first times that I really was pushed into a new role. It was somewhere very late 80s or early 1990s. The good news was that I got a promotion. The bad news was that I had a new set of goals. And part of those goals were a sales goal. And I thought about this and I had never sold anything in my life. So I went to the person that I reported to at the time and I asked him, you know, tell me about this. What am I supposed to do? And he said, well, there are essentially two ways you can meet your sales goal. One is by expanding business with existing clients. And I really didn't have a whole lot of existing clients other than the ones where I was supporting other people. So that wasn't going to be a really fertile ground for sales. Or you can go out and have a territory and you can go and sell in that territory. Um, figuring I couldn't get a whole lot from my existing clients and also not knowing how credits were counted, I asked, well, what territories were available? And I was given the option of two, and people who live in the Southeast, if there are any of you on this call, will recognize um, what these two opportunities might have been. I was given the choice between Jackson, Mississippi and Columbus, Georgia. I chose Columbus, Georgia for no other reason than it was a, a whole lot closer to me, living at the time very close to Atlanta. So it was a two hour drive as compared to an hour and a half flight. And um, as we did back then, I made a list of all the companies I could find in Columbus, Georgia. And I decided I was gonna go down there and start calling on companies, having no idea what you actually said to somebody when you called on them. But I got meetings and I did some calling on them and sometimes they worked out well and sometimes I probably looked like a complete idiot, but I didn't realize it at the time. So what advice would you have for somebody to get pushed into a role that maybe they didn't either feel qualified for or, or didn't feel like it was necessarily, they were gonna be asked to do things that weren't necessarily in their skill set? 
this is going to sound like a really strange answer, Michael, but I, I really believe it, it is the right way to approach it. And it's the way I've wound up approaching things as my career has gone on. Prepare for the role that you don't want to be in and that you don't plan to be in, but you could possibly be thrust into in advance. When I say that, um, think about all the strange positions you could be putting in your career both the ones that you really want to be in and the ones that you might not want to be in. Learn everything you can. We have, um, most of us work fairly long hours at what we do, but we're always, at least in my experience, looking for breaks during the day. There are times when you might finish one thing, you're getting ready to start something else and you're just not really ready to start it. Take those 15 minutes, take the half hour, Go on the web, find a book, find something, call a friend, um, find a colleague, find somebody who may be a mentor to you, and either ask some questions or read some material. So as an example, there came a time when I changed firms and I had always at that point in time been a very technical actuary. I had been a technical pension actuary. And I was joining a firm where there were a lot of really good technical pension actuaries really as a percentage of the whole firm. That wasn't a role that um, I was necessarily going to play there. And it also wasn't a role where I was particularly needed. So what I did was I dove kind of head first into executive benefits. And between the time that I got my job offer and when I had started, I learned everything I could about executive benefits. So when I joined there, I was suddenly um, one of the experts on a topic I had really worked in very little. And as I spent more and more time on it, it became a topic on which I spoke frequently at uh, professional gatherings. So it's just, it's kind of an evolution going from nowhere to somewhere to everywhere on a particular topic. No, that, that's really good. I appreciate that. And, and for those of you that don't know, John is well known in the pension arena for his executive benefits experience. And, and so that's clearly served you well um, over the course of your career. That's great. Um, you, you, you also alluded to something in, in one of your answers, John, um, a little bit ago about changing careers. You started as a, as a math professor and then somehow wound up as an actuary. Um, can, can you talk about when you had career changes and, and how did you prepare to reinvent yourself? And is there really a way to reinvent yourself when you're, uh, when you're actually making those, if we're not talking about roles within a firm, we're talking about changing profession to profession. Well, that one, Michael, happened um, almost out of necessity. Um, I was making not a whole lot of money, had a one bedroom apartment, um, in a fairly expensive area, and we decided it was time to have a child. And sure enough, the next thing we knew, there was a child on the way. And we went for an ultrasound, and we found out there was not a child on the way. There were two children on the way. And with two children, we weren't going to have room in our apartment, so we needed to get a bigger apartment. And I looked at our budget, and there wasn't a chance in the world we could afford a bigger apartment and to be in the same geographical area we were in. So I needed to find another job. I was posting grades from the 
fall semester and right next to the grades bulletin board, we actually used to post on physical bulletin boards back then. You would take your grades, fill them in on a sheet of paper, student ID numbers followed by grades, um, post them on a bulletin board, put them up with push pins or a stapler and leave them behind. But right next to that bulletin board was the jobs board. And I saw that there was somebody looking for strong undergraduate math majors who thought they could deal with people. Okay, I'll put my name on the list for an on-campus interview. And that turned out to be with Hewitt Associates, who was the, who I started my actuarial career with. And I remember the interview, I remember who it was with. Um, and going through it, I had had a whole bunch of questions prepared, not because I necessarily wanted the answers, but because I knew you were supposed to have questions for your interviewer. Somebody had told me that. Well, he went and answered all my questions as we were talking, as he was asking me, asking me questions. And so now we're coming to the end and he asked me, he said, well, do you have any questions for me? And I just kind of had to think on my feet. And I said, you know, actually you've answered a lot of the ones I have. So at this point I have just one. Okay, what am I gonna come up with? And I asked him, I said, uh, what do you do in a typical day at work? And he looked at me, he said, so you want to know what you'll be doing as an entry-level actuarial student? And my response, and I have no idea why this came out of my mouth, was, no, I don't really care what I'm going to be doing. I want to know what you do in a typical day. And he made up his mind right at that moment that he wanted to hire me. So I guess it all worked out. Um, you know, but ultimately, how did I prepare for that? I didn't know what I was going to be doing. A few days before I started work, so one of my friends asked me, so what are you going to be doing as an actuary? And I said, I have no idea. Ask me in a, in a week. Are and that was really the truth. I, for that and, uh, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't prepare. I didn't really know what an actuary did. I certainly didn't know that there was a difference between insurance actuaries and consulting actuaries or insurance backroom actuaries and consulting actuaries of any type, including those who consult in the insurance space, I didn't know what I was getting into, but it's been 35 years now. In fact, it'll be 35 years later this month. So I guess I have an, some idea at this point. No, that's great. 